All right, guys, we're here with another edition of Talking Preps. I'm Langston. We got the crew here. And we got a new face. We got Miss Sammy Sin of Cox Mill High School. How you doing, Sammy? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited for you to be here with us. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, I, I kind of gave away where you went to school, but tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> what school you go to and all the good stuff. So I'm a sophomore at Cox Mill High. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you so much for asking me to join tonight. Chelsea, does this young lady know what she's getting herself into? I don't think yet, but whatever she does get herself into, I think she'll really enjoy it. You'll be happy well, Sammy, to be here. Yeah, Sammy, you know, the, the great thing is that um, you can actually learn from Chelsea before she leaves, which, which she didn't have the opportunity to do her predecessor. <laughs> she had to come deal with all these old folks by herself. So welcome to the show. I know you got a, a, a special piece coming up later. You're going to beat Sam in the game show, right? Right, Sammy? You gonna beat Sammy in the game show? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. be positive about that. All right, yeah. the music. Let's go. Guys, what a night of high school football we had on Friday night. It was uh a lot of upsets all over the place. I know Dale wants to talk about some, but Alex, I want you to talk a little bit about CMS. What happened with CMS on Friday night? For the first time since 1999, there will be no Charlotte Mecklenburg School participating in the NCHSAA football state semifinals. And that's noteworthy. Most importantly, just to reaffirm Charlotte Mecklenburg School's absolute dominance of North Carolina high school football for the better part of the last quarter century. Four separate schools, Independence, Butler, Mallard Creek, and Vance slash Chambers won two or more state championships during that span. So truly a testament to the excellence of Charlotte Mecklenburg schools. In terms of this question of it being an end of an era, absolutely not. It is an evolution of the renaissance. And we see a renaissance of talent which continues in Charlotte Mecklenburg schools. And it's a testament to the way that other geographic locales have embraced the challenge, the opportunity, and the responsibility to, as we've discussed all year long, particularly with Coach Grice, who is uh, very proud of his 336 made 704 paid other geographic locales have taken some of their strengths and infused them with many of the tendencies and practices that have made Charlotte Mecklenburg schools successful for so long. And other locales have become competitive with Charlotte Mecklenburg schools. And that's a good thing. So is it an end of an era? Absolutely not. It is an evolution of the renaissance and an opportunity for Charlotte Mecklenburg schools to rise to this challenge and opportunity in new ways. Greg's 30 second rebuttal, end of the era. Oh, no, absolutely not. I think, you know, and I've said this with the introduction of, of this kind of you know, March Madness style playoffs, you have the same situation like you would have in March Madness in basketball. I think I've talked about we introduced teams going up to the mountains even to, to have to go play games there against teams that have shown themselves worthy. I think you've seen a quick adjustment by those you know conference winners up there. They come ready and they kind of bring everything they can uh, to make visitors feel unwelcome. I think you see the emergence, though, of some great talent that really we see it spread across the, the state and the different areas, specifically on 
our in our western part of the state. So I, I don't think in any way that it's the end of an era, but I do think you have a bit of a transition period here in Charlotte, but you have a lot of youth here that's going to be ready to get, you know, go for these next couple of years. All right. Well, Dale, I want to hear about what you uh, your three thoughts from the weekend before we turn Chris loose on his 30,000 foot view. Okay, you gonna throw them up there? When I find them, <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, go ahead and talk when I look. I'm hunting. Okay, so the first one was a part of the biggest shocker for me. Now I, I think all these links and kind of are gonna uh, roll out to be undervaluing of teams, but East Lincoln, uh, mm. I did not see that coming. Uh, there was nothing that could indicate that that would happen if you look at body of work of everything. And I know we, we've called a little, so me and some of my colleagues have called some grief about uh, picking against East Lincoln. And by going by body of work, it's just hard to, to see what happened. And I see uh, Coach Griner just said something about it. But, uh, you know, Co uh, Griner showed me the score um, Friday night, he, he, early or kind of midway through the game, and we were both like, wow. So huge shocker, and it really kind of flips things for me as I thought it was Kings Mountain and South Point as the two best teams in the West. Now, oh, my gosh, that is, it's, it totally flips. I agree, Dale. I totally agree, and, you know, I'm one of those that – didn't think that um, East Lincoln had the necessary resume to, to think that they were a challenger for the state championship. But I, I vividly remember Thanksgiving morning, I had the privilege of uh, having breakfast uh, with Coach Lloyd and some of the coaches at Kings Mountain and went through practice with them. And we were talking about it. And he asked me my opinion on East Lincoln. And I said, you know what? They don't have the schedule that they've played, but good is good. And they agreed. They said they're every bit as good as anybody they've seen on film. And they knew that they were going to be really good. But sometimes it's just hard when you're looking at common opponents and work. But I agree. I mean, I picked against them, and I don't think I will this week. Okay. Yeah. Um, we just wondered, and I would love to watch the game film to see, was there something odd that happened? Did Kings Mountain have a game plan that they thought they could execute? And then when they got into the game, they saw, oh, my gosh, this isn't going to work because there were some pick sixes in that game. Uh you know what? What really led to that? It was a it was a huge shocker. Um, the next one, really, I, Langston, is it, set there for one, but I'm going to add two, and I'm going to tell you the reason why. Sam and I are standing there at Weddington after the win, and we're listening to uh, the coaches talk to their players, mm -hmm. and then we get called out, like uh, Coach Capone says, and they will be picking against us. <laughs> And he looks over at us, and of course, Sam speaks up. I don't do the picks. Oh, so he put uh, all the pressure on you. Yeah, but you know, Sam was Sam was taking cover there. And the point here is that Weddington also, just like Grimsley, feels strongly that they've been undervalued. So mm -hmm. now, what I'm going to say here 
applies to both of these programs. Okay, well, let me pause, let me pause you right there, Dale, because Cameron did get some reaction from the the uh, Grimsley coach and the and the Huff coach after that game. I did want to drop that, and then we'll okay. get your thoughts on the backside. One of your good proud of who they are you know what they've accomplished you know i mean it's they're a great group of young men who are going to be super successful in life um and this is a small part of it as i've told them many many times if, if high school and high school football are the best moments in your life then, then the rest of your life isn't very good right and these are just a small part of it and, and the best for them is still ahead of them uh, there's a lot of guys every year you know and, and there'll be guys and, and uh these guys are going to work their tail off in the offseason we talked about it. you know the offseason it's it's doing the extra set in the weight room, you know. It's it, it's it's the extra workout in the off season is the difference between getting stopped on fourth and one and stopping them on fourth and two or third and two or whatever it is, right? And, and that those were those workouts and those moments in the off season come, and uh, you know you use this feeling and you remember this feeling and and you use that as motivation in the off season. It's hard to even remember what all happened this last quarter and the overtime period. I just know our guys, man. They just tough bunch of guys, tough bunch of kids. Believe in what we ask and play together, and they never lose faith and never panic. And uh, just keep getting after it until they find a way. Can't be more proud of them. And so, I mean, you're the number one seed, but I mean, I heard several guys, some of your players mentioned everybody keeps doubting you. Everybody keeps doubting you. You're 12, or well, you're 13, 14, and 0 now. So, I mean, what's the mentality? You keep the underdog mentality, even though you're the number one seed, or, or I mean, this is a statement game saying, hey, I mean, we can hang. We're not really worried about it. We're just worried about us. And people can think and say what they want to think and say. Doesn't really matter. We just we're gonna show up. We're gonna go to work every day, and that's what these kids do. And uh, we'll be ready to go back to work on Monday. You got Weddington next round for the right to go to the state championship. What do you know about Coach Capone's team? Well, I know they're traditionally really good, and I'm sure he does a great job. I've never played against Weddington, um, but you know they're, they're always there every year. So we understand that you know it's a huge challenge again next week. So got to get refocused and go back to work come Monday. I just wanted to play that, Dale, because he was talking about, you know, being undervalued or doubted, and he was right. giving the answer. But go ahead with your point. So, you know, obviously what he was saying also, and really it all boils down to they, they every coach and every team should know, and I believe does know if you're this far into the playoffs, that people say what they say, and they might try to pull something that they can use for motivation, but at the end of the day, they're the ones who makes it happen. And whether what we say or don't say, they're not they're not trying to prove us right or wrong. They're trying to prove themselves right or wrong. But for us, and, and, and I want to state this strongly because we've said this many times, we pick based on body of work and body of work that we see. And so like that East Lincoln game or any of the other games, we can only evaluate based on who they've played and the people that they've played, who they've played and try to get some grasp of how strong a team is and how they're going to do as they go against a power. So what uh, happened with Grimsley Friday night, I think was tremendous in that uh, they beat a power out of Charlotte. They beat a power. One of the teams that people have picked to be the dog all the way through. Uh, They beat, 
the dog or the bigger dog uh, in East Forsyth. Uh, so the teams, both teams, Weddington and Grimsley, and I did want to bring Weddington into this. They're proving what they have to prove. Uh, we're not picking, and, and I, I told Coach Capone, you know, you may need to worry. I might pick you. And he's like, no, no, don't pick us. <laughs> so I made my pick. The question is, did I pick to follow what he said or did I pick because of what I think is going to happen? I'm not going to say. Um, that way I'll be safe on both sides of the pick. But <laughs> Grimsley is without question proven that they are one of the top teams in the state. And right now, you know, it, it's, it looks strong as, as if it's going to be a Grimsley and Newburn type of match. Well, you just, you just picked Dale, by the way, you just picked. Well, I'm not saying that's what it looks like. I didn't say it. <laughs> no, no, no. But the point here is, you know, how many teams are practicing in 4A this week? Four, four teams. Yeah. And that's pretty outstanding. We're you've gone through four weeks of football, or excuse me, five weeks now, of uh, four, four weeks. It'll be five weeks this coming. Yep. Uh, you're winning every game. Uh, you're doing everything you're supposed to do. So at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter what we think or how we pick. And I want to end it by saying, once I make my picks, I forget about them. And if my pick is wrong, I don't care. I'm actually happy for the team that wins because it proves that they did something I didn't think they could do. And in my mind, that's always a good thing. All right. But well, there's four teams practicing in 1A, and I don't think any of us thought it was going to be drawn. What do you think there? Well, that's a good question. Uh, earlier in the season, no. And as we went through, no. Um, drawn has continuously proven here. They are a solid program. Now, they got a, they got a mountain to climb. And, and we'll talk about it in when we get into the uh, breakdown of the playoffs. Right. But uh, they deserve a lot of kudos for where they're at. Uh, you know, I, so one of you guys have got to have something to say about these two. Well, we'll we'll, uh, we'll let the guru and I, I hadn't played this in a while. This theme music. We're gonna play Guru's theme music. And let us take his thirty thousand view to play. <laughs> And I want to throw it out there. Uh, you guys know that I am good friends and talk with so many coaches on a regular basis around the state. And, and I know guys like Grice and Dale, they're going to know this to be true, but it's amazing at how many of these coaches that are still left playing beg me to pick against their teams on Friday night because they want that motivation. They want to be able to tell their kids that we are hating on them. I love it. I love it. Yep, yep. But anyway, the Grimsley, hey, the people, not, I think it's nonsense. Go ahead, Alex. I'm sorry. I think it's nonsense. Either you can play and you can get the job done or you can't. It's that simple. Uh, this is not the time of the year for bulletin board material. The only bulletin board material and the only thing you need to be concerned about, I'll invoke the words of our good friend and the esteemed Gary Richmond. If you want to distinguish yourself, then play well. End of discussion. Whether it's on your home field, whether it's away whether it's in the first round, whether it's in the state semifinals, wherever it is, you want to distinguish yourself, play well. This right. is meaningless. That's, adventure. that said, we are bulletin board material, guys. We are. Chris, who played Every well last week. Friday night? 
Well, uh, let's just take a look at it. Uh, we're going to start with the 1A. We always seem to start with the 4A. We're going to go with the 1A, uh, take a look right down there at the 1A East. Uh, Tarboro taking care of business. Uh, big victory over Northampton County. Again, I've been big on Northampton. Uh, Coach George Privet's Jaguars played really tough and actually played Tarboro about as good as anyone has all year. Uh, just had a little bit, uh, not as many weapons on Friday night. Uh, we know about that young uh, duo of uh, sophomore and freshman. They got there in the backfield in that Tarboro team. Uh, Rosewood beating um, Northmore by 20. That is one that shocked me. Um, I, I feel like I know an apology to Coach Robert Britt uh, leaving his team out of the top 10 rankings last week. They definitely showed me uh, where the guru was wrong. Uh, taking a look at the 1A, uh, I looked at some of the film from that game between uh, Mount Airy and uh, Eastern Randolph, and that was quite a Donnie Brook. I mean, it was back and forth. A really, really good game. Two excellent, excellent football teams. I thought both of those, from the way the film looked like, either one of those teams could be a legitimate championship winner. Um, Drone, of course, you know, just going up the hill to Hugh Hamilton Stadium and just dominating Andrews like they did. Incredible. Uh, 2A, uh, I think, you know, we talked about some of the, you know, the, the big-time names in the East, so the, the coaching who's who, the pedigree, you know, the coaching trees going at it. And 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 I think that we're going to get what we thought we would get, uh, a rematch from earlier in the year between the powerhouses, East Duplin and Wallace Rose Hill. I mean, those just two teams just absolutely took care of business against what I think to be some quality teams. Uh, Reedsville, you know, they do what Reedsville do. Uh, they flex their muscles. They throw the ball all over the field. Uh, I can't wait to see this game between them and Burns. You know, Burns really, you know, they escaped uh, that, that Johnny Sal-led uh, invasion up there from Monroe, and, and lucky you get away from it. An incredible game. And then, of course, you know, we see the big ranks uh, staying in the east and northern Nash. You know, they, they've been winning big all year long. Uh, Friday night was no exception. Although it was only it was a close game early and close for a long time until northern just put the hammer on and took care of business in the second half. Uh, 71st, you know, I think that's going to be a big time game with those two teams. And then the East, uh, you know, we've already established, uh, you know, the upset or what we perceive to be an upset with East Lincoln just all over Kings Mountain. Uh, South Point, you know, that shocked me a little bit. I, I thought that South Point would win that game by 20 plus going away. Uh, but um, Eastern Guilford really showed me something. I think a lot of good things are on the horizon uh, for Coach Tony Aguilar and that team. Uh, and then looking at the 4A, you know, I know we're going to talk a lot about it, but Grimsley and that three-overtime victory over Huff, uh, tough game. I watched the last quarter and a half or so plus the three overtimes. I mean, just so back and forth. Weddington, A.C. Reynolds, I mean, that was a tough, tough game. And you want to talk about that final four right there in the West, incredible. And then, of course, there in the East, you know, I, I had a feeling – uh, that Millbrook was going to beat Hillside. That one didn't shock me, uh, but I was, I got to admit, you know, I was wrong. I thought that Rollsville was going to give Newburn all they wanted and then some. I still thought Newburn might have won that game going away, but I really thought Rollsville was going to hang around, and obviously I was just wrong. So, Coach Torrey Noel and all you guys, uh, great job, great job. A lot of the guys you talked about are about to show up right now in Grice and Griner's Players of the Week. What's going on? A special G&G &G edition again. Grice and Griner here uh, of Grice's Gems. We're excited to get big time performances, Griner. We've got some amazing performances. I know we looked Friday and saw some scores that we didn't expect, but we've got the guys to show you exactly what happened. Let's go down east out to Newburn. Aaron Herring. We've talked about him a lot before. Again, this was a big time performance out there. He ran 20 times for 287 yards and seven, seven touchdowns in a shocking 70-34 win. 
win on the quarterfinals over Roseville. Again, this ties for the second most touchdowns with a ton of players, um, but the second most touchdowns in North Carolina High School Athletic Association history. Griner, we knew that they were, he was going to get the ball in this game, but goodness, 20 times and he went for seven touchdowns. That's a great ratio. That's, yeah, that's a great ratio. And this first is a really good football team. You know, Roseville was really coming to their own this playoffs and be able to just dice them up. I mean, seven TDs, seven TDs in a game of this magnitude is unbelievable. It really is. It's crazy. I mean, we talk about this like even though we're so we're later in the year, we're at a time where you're facing only really good football teams to have that kind of performance, that kind of state record type performance is going to be something that, you know, that's always surprising. But it's going to be something that people are going to remember down there for a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, let's move forward. Let's go to East Lincoln. Another one that I, I really shocked me, Griner. Again, shocking. Uh, Keandre Walker out of East Lincoln, forty-six to twenty win over uh, Kings Mountain, who's number number one in three A. Uh, this guy's a University of Virginia recruit here, and you can see by the size. Let me tell you this, Griner. He returned a punt for a touchdown, caught a touchdown pass, and had a pick six. Again, we love the love the three side. Again, three sides of the ball, three different you know part phases of the game. He was a major player in it right here. So let's talk about him. And again, one you know one game Ooh. that you knew about. Look at this guy. Look at how impressive he was, and talk about him a little bit. Hey, long strider he is, and boy, he took this team on his back and beat Kings Mountain at Kings Mountain. That's a tough place to play. Obviously, I know that from the week before. And they literally stepped on their throat and kept it there. Like normally, you see Kings Mountain trying to roar back right there in that game. This yeah. kid said, "No, not today." I mean, from all aspects of the game, that's pretty impressive, Mr. Walker. It is. Let's let's come back into this area again. Let's go to South Point uh, out in Belmont. We got Cam Medlock. You know, we talked about the the duo between him and him and Patrick Glee. It looks like they wanted to stop the quarterback, but could not stop Cam Medlock. 28-25 win they had over Eastern Guilford in the 3A quarterfinals. Medlock got the ball 34 times for 203 mm. yards and two touchdowns. Man, we've talked about this offense. We know about it. I've played against it way back in the day. They are a, a, a an amazing offense. Grana, talk about what you see here from Cam Medlock. Well, here's the thing, like in these type of offenses, it's based upon quarterback run and dive. If you can't stop the dive, <laughs> it's going to be a long night for you. And exactly what happened in this game, dude ran for 200 yards. I would keep feeding him as well. Just hard nose at you right now, four yards, five yards. That's still great. You have to be able to tackle this guy for loss. They did not get that done over 200 yards moving into the next round. South points deadly right now. Watch out for them. Big time team. They're gonna have a big time game there. Uh, with was that East Lincoln? East I was Lincoln, yes, sir. That's, yeah, I mean, that's pretty exciting. All right, so hey, let's take it up to the three through six. My neck of the woods, Mitchell Summers here from Grimsley. This sophomore ran 26 times for 191 yards and two touchdowns. One of the best games I think I've seen all year in a 40 to 37 triple overtime uh win over Huff. Again, as a guy we talked about, we, we got you guys familiar with. Hey, we you talked, you called a mini Darren Sproles, uh, a grinder. Yeah. He's really showing, you know, again, the type of player he is. It has been this year. But this is the type of game that, I mean, we he was already on our map. But, like, you want to be known throughout the state, you put up near 200 yards versus that Huff defense, that is going to be raising some eyebrows. And this kid is going to be reckoned with for, what, two more years after this as well. Oh, He's definitely. Gonna be definitely he, is. 
tough. I'm excited to tough. see it. It's gonna be it's gonna be a headache for the four A division. But now again, it's time for the call. We've got to bring in a guy. Luckily, I had the ability to to see him uh, when Cox Mill scrimmaged uh, Burns earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Again, kid with a great release, really poised in the pocket. I was shocked to even ground when he said he was a junior, just at the level of maturity that he had. You know, with with everything that he was doing. You know, just at the beginning in a scrimmage. But let's let's bring out some of his stats again here. Ben Mooney here from Burns High School, quarterback, the, the signal caller, and a big 49-40 win of Monroe in the NCAA quarterfinals when he completed 16 of 24 uh, passes for 368 yards and six touchdowns. Even mm. gave us uh, two runs for, for 30 yards as well, just to show he could run a little bit if he had to. But, Ben, we had to have you on after this big-time performance. Can you just talk about this week going into this game? We know Monroe, and we heard your coach even say how crazy athletic they are. But, you know, you guys came in with a great game plan. Can you talk to them about it and how you were able to do well? Uh, yeah, this whole weekend film we were uh, being talked to about is probably going to be the most athletic team we played fastest. They got skilled dudes all over the field. So we had to bring our best A game. It was just Our coaches told us it was going to be our skills versus their skills just to see who had the best team. He said it was a, lot of it, a lot of it was going to be on the quarterback play. So it was just <laughs> rise to the occasion. No, I love it. I think Grant has a new nickname for you. What is it? Yeah, Grant? yeah. It's, so it's, it's not. Money. Yeah, it's 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 AKA. It's money. His last name is not is a is not Mooney. I'm calling him Straight Money because he's money. Dimes. Straight money. Straight money. He's throwing dimes. That's your new name. We're changing it. It's official. All right. Now I'll tell you what. You did a great job, and your coaching staff did a great job of being able to utilize Monroe's ability they're very aggressive and you use that against them you got behind them multiple times for off of pump fakes or some type of design where it looks like that they were going to be aggressive to pick the ball off and you used it against them and your athletes got behind them great game plan going against it scored a lot of points aka money throwing dimes love it i love it talk about some of your receivers i mean i'm familiar with lj allen but talk some about those guys because they look like they made big time plays and just talk about your you guys relationship because it seems like you really are throwing that ball and you know that your guy is going to be right there to catch it yeah all across the board our receivers are just phenomenal athletes you got lj who's six four and is a monster in multiple d1 offers and you got ryan thompson who i've been throwing with him ever since we've been in elementary school Kari Sharat, he's another threat so it's not like you can just guard one dude if you go take away one we're just gonna hit the other two or three and then you got backups that came in the game like Kamari Surratt when Kahari Haynes had to come off because he was a main part of our defense so we just had a lot of athletes that could step up run their routes they're really fast really athletic they just make make the work a lot a lot easier for me when they get open what does it feel like being the only Cleveland County team left in the draw are you guys going to be able to bring it back to Cleveland County? If it feels really good, Cleveland County, uh, their football here, every team is really good, Crash mm-hmm. and Kings Mountain. But with us being the last team, yeah, it definitely feels really good. Everybody's, I think, rooting for us now from Cleveland mm-hmm. County, wanting us to bring it back. So, And they should. They should. You should want your own to bring it back. I think if we had to choose one coach in the entire state who did the best job as your coach, he, I know how he loves to run the football. We're very similar. I got the coach in a uh, all-star game with him a couple of years back, and I think the world of him and be able to adjust his offense based upon the skill sets you guys have now, it, it, it blows my mind, and it's really paying dividends for you guys. Make your run. 
So, Ben, last thing, you know, we know, again, you got a big game this week versus Reedsville. You know, they're a big-time team, I, you know, from that area. My mom actually went to that high school. So we know they're about football, too. I know you probably haven't gotten into the film yet, but just kind of what are some of your initial thoughts and just how are you preparing, kind of trying to prepare to have that, this level of performance again? Uh, Coach Vaughn actually dropped the film right after we played. So I've been into it a little bit. They got some they got some really good skilled skilled players. They say they got one of the best defenses around, but they haven't met one of the best offenses around here either. All right. All right. I like <laughs> hey, we give you the guarantee. Hey, Ben, we call him Ben Money, big time money. You have a performance like that again, we're giving you the call again next week. Tell you right now, get the dub, have the performance, and then hey, hit us up on Twitter and say, is that is that good enough? So, you know, again, we, we thank you. We, we're glad that, you know, you had such a great performance. We're rooting for you down here for sure. So keep balling, keep doing everything that you're supposed to. And, again, hopefully we'll see you soon. Yes, sir. Big money, cash and receipts, baby. <laughs> Ron, I think our, I think our call list this year has been amazing. I mean, you, you look at the guys, Christian Paris last week. I mean, we've got uh, the guy from Salisbury, Jamichael Wells. We've had some big-time guys. But, again, if you think you have a playoff-worthy performance, it's whittling down now. So, again, if you have that that level of performance there and think you should be a Grice's gym, reach out to me at Coach Jay Grice on Twitter. Reach out at Langston Works Jr. at Observer Preps. Let us know what's going on. As we always say at this time, if you ball, you get, get the, the call, call, baby. All right. And a lot of guys got to call uh, Ben Money. We're going to talk a little bit about Ben Money. I like what you're saying there, Coach Griner. Uh, show me the money, like Jerry Maguire says. Uh, but anyway, let's uh, get right into business and start talking about some 1A and 2A football. We're going to talk about the 1A going in here to the uh, semifinals. Uh, right there, Torbro still hanging on to the number one spot. Mount Airy, number two. Drone, Rosewood. Hey, that's your final four in the uh, last minute standing. Uh, they will be there. Andrews, incredible season, Eastern Randolph, Northmore, Northampton, Thomasville, Murphy, all great teams. But, hey, we've only got four, so let's talk about those big-time games Friday night. We're going to start in the East. Uh, Coach Robert Britz, um, Rosewood Eagles heading over to Tarboro uh, to take on uh, Jeff Craddock and the Tarboro T, the big Tarboro Vikings. Uh, Tarboro 12-1, and Rosewood 10-4. and uh, Rosewood had that big-time game. Uh, big time victory, twenty-seven to seven over Northmore. I uh, can't say enough about David Lamb. Uh, he just continues to pound the rock uh, for the Eagles. A great job. And then Tarboro, you know, I've kind of stated it again. Uh, they got some big time kids. Uh, most of them uh, underclassmen. Uh, Mason Satterfield, a freshman, Cameron McDowell, Moore. You know, just a who's who list of of some guys getting it done. Uh, so uh, big big time game there. Let me make sure I'm not getting ahead of the script here. Nope. Uh, let's go ahead and look at uh, Drone. And Mount Airy as well. Uh, Mount Airy, again, I thought that was a battle of two heavyweight powers uh, going toe-to-toe uh, last week. Uh, Mount Airy uh, coming through, going to take on uh, Drone, who, again, Coach Chris Powell, got to get my hats off to him, you know, that entire staff up there, uh, what they've been able to do. That is going to be another heavyweight slugfest. I think both of those teams can go toe-to-toe. It's going to be a big-time game. Uh, Dale, I know I had a hard time picking this one. Um for our picks for the observer. Uh, and I know that's one that a lot of us, especially here in the Western side of the state are looking at. It's probably going to be a very competitive ball game. Yeah, I, I, it was a hard of all, all the picks were hard to me. This one was the toughest. Uh, Chris, I note that you uh, put there uh, about this being their uh, first regional final. So instead of digging deep into stats, et cetera, I thought there was a pretty interesting stat that maybe a lot of people don't know. I know you know, or I'm sure you're aware about Mount Airy's history. And uh, this is 
one of the winningest programs, not just in the state of North Carolina, but the last time I checked, they were in the top uh, 60 of winning programs in the nation. Uh, they have won multiple state championships. This is a big, this is a big, big, big hill uh, for Drone to get over. You know, when we look at humps and games, this would be one of those. Drone, uh, you're going to send the picks. I picked Drone. Uh, they kind of seem to be on a little bit of a Cinderella run right now. And uh, boy, if they were to win this game, oh my goodness, it's going to be a tough ball game, Chris. I I think it's going to be a good game, but I think it's going to be a tough one for Drone to, to pull out. I agree. Anybody else got any comments, Alex? Anything on Tarboro Rosewood? It's very fitting that both Tarboro and Rosewood wear purple and gold because we are watching Eastern North Carolina 1A football royalty in this clash all the way around. In the end, Rosewood is climbing that mountain again in a situation where it might be where Tarboro is just too good. And lastly, I'll follow up on the Drawn Mount Airy deal. Great opportunity for Drawn. Initially, I would be inclined to agree with what Dale said. The only caveat I'd give in this situation is a 21-point win for Drawn over an Andrews team, which did the unthinkable, what never has happened in North Carolina high school football, a team that defeated Murphy, Swain and Robbinsville in the same season and drawn tore that team to pieces by 21 points drawn will have a chance though. I do initially lean towards Dale's inclinations about Mount Harry being a formidable hill to climb. Christ real quick, uh, Tarboro and Rosewood. Yeah, just kind of looking at that Rosewood team, you know, again, it's you look in the playoffs, playoffs is a lot of times so much about styles. They played Hopton. We know with Coach Salas, Coach Coltharp, that's an air raid, throw it all over the park. They were successful. They then get Northmore, which flips it. Of course, as the infamous or famous RPO run people over, very power, you know, power running game. Now they come against, you know, one of the most illustrious running teams that I could say in the state's history, I would even argue. You know, one of the big things looking through Rosewood's schedule, you know, they, they had a loss early on to Princeton, played, you know, Christian Paris, we know is a phenomenal running back. He had 327 yards and four touchdowns and a loss to that team. So that, to me, again, you comparing them as they're getting ready to go against Tarboro with the multitude and plethora of running backs that they always have, we've got to make sure that, you know, they've got to stop, you know, fortify that rushing defense this week it's going to be a tough task but again you know they've been so versatile as a defense stopping teams this is going to be their toughest test yet so i'm excited it's probably one of the games i have highlighted as a good one to watch yep can you get the last word on 1a yeah i mean i to kind of add to grice's point there i mean we look at last week rosewood held north moore who was coming in averaging 35 plus to just seven points I mean, this isn't going to be a cakewalk for Tarboro. Do I think Tarboro still wins? Yes, because I think they have, like Grice alluded to, one of the best rushing attacks in the state. But, I mean, this this won't be – I don't think it'll be more than maybe a two-score game in Tarboro's favor. All right. Uh, there you have it, guys. 1A. Let's uh, take a look at the 2A break, uh, rankings now. There you see them right there, number one team in the 
2A Burns, Ooh. Bulldogs, uh, number two, East Duplin, number three, Reedsville, Wallace, Rose Hill, of course, everybody else uh, out of business for the year. Uh, although Salisbury, I'll admit, Salisbury gained a few spots. Uh, usually don't happen after a team is out, but uh, they gained a few spots last week uh, while their guys were playing basketball. Uh, but that's still a who's who list of guys um, in the 2A rankings. Uh, let's take a look at this week's games. Uh, we're going to start in the 2A East. Uh, we got an incredible uh, matchup, a rematch, uh, two rivalries that just go way, way back. Uh, Wallace Rose Hill, 12 and 2. You know, they've played a tough schedule. East Duplin, 13 and 1. You know, Wallace Rose Hill's won five straight, thrown for 437 yards all year long. That, that's not in the game, that's all year long. Uh, but running backs, Irving Brown, Corbin Curry, you know, they've combined for almost 3,000 yards of rushing. Uh, East Duplin right there, Battle Holly. We know a lot about Battle Holly, a son of the late Jack Holly, uh, who just owned every record there was just about at Wallace Rose Hill uh, coaching-wise. Uh, East Duplin's won 12 straight. Uh, they got 4,100 4, yards uh, rushing on the it's season. like 41,000. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Avery, Avery Gabby just continues to do it for them. Quarterback Zach Brown. I love that East Duplin team. I think that's going to be an incredible game. And then just taking a look here at the West, uh, Burns at Reedsville. It has everything. It has all the makings of a – an instant classic. You know, we've seen those on ESPN. I think it's going to be a great game. Obviously, we just talked to Ben Money. Uh, he's going to have a big-time game. Al Lee at Reedsville. Uh, Coach Jimmy Teague's teams, you know, they are just incredible. I think this is a big-time game. Um, I don't know who, who's going to go first. Uh, who, 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 want, who, wants, who wants to go? I'll jump in here. The East matchup, Rollins Rose Hill and East Duplin. I think this is one of those games that we shouldn't even talk about. Sit back and enjoy the game. I mean, it's it's that good. There, there's there's nothing to say. Sit back and enjoy the game. This is North Carolina high school football's tradition and today at its finest. Let's just sit back and enjoy the game. And I may go there. I'm not sure. I've thought about driving all the way down to Beulahville, so we'll oh, see. He's getting it back. Oh, he's driving to Beulahville. He's getting it back. Let's go. <laughs> now, the, uh, the, the Burns at Reedsville game. If ever there was a high-level opportunity for Burns to earn a signature win, this is it. All the hopes and dreams of another Cleveland County power, but one who has watched Crest and Shelby win championship after championship in the 21st century, and Burns now on the precipice of its own opportunity. If ever there would be, we talk about climbing those mountains, a signature win along that mountain climb to Burns earning its opportunity at history. This is it. Yep. I'm going to follow that, Alex, because uh, that's that's a perfect way to put it. And as we mentioned in the previous game about traditional powers, Reedsville's not one of those teams that's not a traditional power. They are. Uh, so to, to both be a traditional power like this, this is a really big setup game uh, for Burns. To, it could really propel them should they be able to pull this win out. Uh, what a ball game. And I, I think quite honestly, just like you said, this will be a game to sit back and enjoy. I, I believe it's going to be an enjoyable football game. Hey, Cam, jump in here. Yeah, I mean, I just want to talk about that Wallace Rose Hill game. I mean, they 
absolutely dominated last week, which I didn't expect. I expected them to play a close game last week, but and they just come out and flex their muscles a little bit. Um, but they, you know, these two teams have squared off this year already in a tight thirteen to twelve game. Um, I know Gary in the background. He talks about field goal kickers and the emphasis on you know, you know, kickers in you know high school football. And with about three minutes to go, Wallace Rose Hill actually scored. And rather than kick the extra point to tie the game at 13 apiece, they go for two and fail. So that's uh, actually how East Duplin won the game in the regular season. So I expect a much higher scoring game this time around, maybe somewhere in the ballpark of like a 28-24 type game. But, I mean, we'll see. All right, Jonathan, you got the last word. Yeah, again, comparing all of the games that are out there, this is my favorite. These, you know, these two A semifinals, I think both of these games, Wallace Rose Hill, I've pointed out all year and I'm going to continue to say it, playing, you know, a team like Elizabeth Road early in the year had it is going to have its impact. Sure, East Duplin won. We talk about this all the time in Charlotte with 4A where a team wins in the regular season, but I want to look at the team that's been here before. I'm looking at the Wallace Rose Hill team. Last year, the name's Kanye Roberts. Now we're looking at Corbin Kerr. I think you've got a lot of the makings and a lot of the, you know, a, a, a lot of just the, the understanding that they're ready to go. But as you've talked about, I mean, this East Duplin team's well coached. You know, a guy, you know, I talk about a do-it-all linebacker, you know, running back type. Cade Kennedy is a guy. I mean, he sends me his information every week. He's compiling stats. I mean, he's double-digit tackles every week. So a guy I look to. And then on the West, I mean, that if, if there's a game I, I would go to, I'd go back home and go to go watch this burns Reesville game. You know, I think you guys are kind of a little, you know, down on Burns. Sure, they haven't been here in that regard. They have the signature wins. They have 13 of them. Every chance, every game they were in this year, especially playing some of the big powers they were playing in non-conference, have prepared them for this moment. So, again, they the games they've played in, the games they've been in, the teams they've beat like a Shelby have prepared them to play against this Reedsville team. We know Burns is going to come out with, you know, with, with their ability. They faced a team similar to a Reedsville with the Monroe and show they can score with anybody the big thing for me is if they can stop Al Lee if they can stop Flip I mean they've got a lot of talent on that Reedsville side and Reedsville did a great job stopping Maiden last week they I think they picked uh picked Thompson off three times that's going to be the key if Monty can avoid the big turnovers get the ball to his guys and, and make something happen they'll be successful but these two A games are great well, there you have it from the number two voice of high school football from the number one voice of high school football and Greg's going to give you a little bit of a break and uh, Sam, um, we're going to let you get a little nervous with Sammy, who's new to the show, as we talked about earlier. Sammy, uh, we have your first video queued up here. Uh, tell us a little about tell us a little bit about who you talked to and, and uh, how was the first one for you? So I interviewed Tyrell Cord. He's a senior. He's going to Mercer University next year. Um, he's a running back at Cox Mill High Football. Yeah, how'd it go? Was it, were you nervous or did it go pretty good? It was my first interview, so I was pretty nervous, but it did go pretty well. Yeah, I thought it went well. Chelsea, what, what are the, what's the secret to being a pro like you? I don't know. Um, I think just prepare. I like to have my questions laid out. Um, I like to get to know who I'm interviewing. Sometimes we'll have small talk before we actually start recording. Mm. But I'm really, I really look forward to seeing Sammy's interview. The key, the key is Chelsea's famous line. Chelsea's oh, sorry? Famous oh, line. Sammy, I'll pass that's, this down to you. And um, you can maybe see after some of my old interviews, Sam really likes this. I have a line where I reach out to – I usually reach out to athletes, but sometimes they like to reach out to me. And to do that, I promote my Twitter. And my line for that is, athletes can hit my DM. 
at Chelsea Sip on Instagram and Twitter. So if you want to take on, hit my DM. Sam loves that one. I love it. He loves that one. All right, let's see what Sammy did week one. We have Tyrell Cord, running back of Cautional Football. So, Tyrell, this year was your last year playing football. Are you planning to play football in college and pursue your career on it? Uh, yes. Um, I'm currently committed to Mercer University of Macon, Georgia. That's why I'll be taking my further talents and playing the next three to four years. Out of all the four years you played for Foxville football, how was your experience? Oh, my experience was amazing. Um, high school football is an experience that you wish that could never end. But um, they all they what they all say is good things always come to an end. But um, it's on to the next now. How did the team work together this year to make it the best year you can make it to be? And what were the team's goals for this year's season? Um, we just knew every day at practice that we had to get better each and every day, no matter who we were facing, no matter what the team. We just knew that we had to come out with a mindset to be mentally locked in and prepared and just uh, hold everybody accountable and just know what know each and everybody's assignments. What are some things you'd like to say to the team about next year, considering that you won't be here? Um, one thing I would say is that um, I know times can get hard, but you just got to push through it and just know that um, you're always going to have somebody looking at you. And you just When times get hard, you got to push through and never give up and just keep going. This is the first time after many years we went into playoffs. How did it feel to make it to playoffs? Uh, making it to playoffs was, was amazing, especially having our home playoff game. We just um, – we executed in that regular season game, and we just worked our tails off to, to get to get a home playoff game. And just that feeling was amazing. And last question, Tyrell. This being your senior year, reflect on your growth in football from freshman year to today. Um, refreshing year to today. Um, I really feel like I truly stepped up as a leader and just making sure my team's accountable, making sure that we knew our assignments, make sure we knew what's going on, make sure that even off the field, like just in the community, we were doing good, um, that we, we had each other's backs. And that's why I feel like I stepped up at. Okay. Thank you so much. Not bad week one. Not bad. Not bad. That was a great interview. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're real comfortable. You got that voice too. You got that, you know, that that TV voice. Yeah, I can I can see that developing in you. No doubt. No doubt. So you you had to come back for number two, I guess, when we start basketball in in January. So no no pressure, but it just gets better from here. All right. So so now we're gonna do my favorite part of the show when we do the game (laughs) show. Sam, are you ready? No, I'm not, not ready, ready, but it's all good. Let's go. All right. Well, Sammy, I'm contractually obligated to play his little theme music. Don't be intimidated when you see his little guns in the theme music. And, <laughs> I, and Alex is going to ask the first question on the backside. Brother, I'm not MJ, just Coach Griner, but I'm the GOAT of the game show. Mr. Bass. <laughs> This ultra-popular singer won her first Grammy for the song White Horse. Who is she? A, Beyonce. B, Rihanna. C, Taylor Swift. D, Pink. Sammy Sin, what is your answer? 
Oh man, I'm gonna go with Beyonce. Not really sure though. Beyonce, what do you got, Samuel? Mm. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go off. I don't want to go Beyonce here. I'm gonna be in the hole probably. I don't have a clue. It says, "All right, first Grammy." I'm gonna Sam, go. Sam, answer the question, dude. I gotta think, man. I gotta think. I'm gonna go B Rihanna. B Rihanna. The answer is the young lady who just shut down Ticketmaster is Miss Taylor Swift. Mm. Oh, Taylor oh. Smith. Dang. All right. Uh, let me find number two. And Chelsea has. I thought she already won a Grammy. That's why I want. Chelsea has three. HBO has found a hit series in this show about recent college graduates in the world of banking in London. Name it A, industry, B, British pounds, C, the bankers, or D, Sherwood. Samuel. Uh, D, Sherwood. Sherwood. All right. Sammy Sin, what's your answer? I'm going to go with A, industry. You got it, Sammy. You are up. You are leading. And do not let him come back. Do not let him come back. I love that show, by the way. Don't have my glasses on either. It's like, it's like. Here we go. It reminds me a lot of, there's a show my kids watch on HBO. Um, I can't think of the name of it. It's like all drugs and sex and teenagers. It reminds me of that, but it's about (laughs) bankers. I've heard of Sherwood. That's why I was confused. Yeah, I tried to confuse you. Uh, I know you switched these things up now, but it's all good. Did I just go, I, no, did I just go out of order? I, I did. I did. I went out of order. So, uh, Alex, yeah. you got to read the next. You got to read the next question. I'm sorry. My bad. I was like, what am I doing? Uh, hey, this is sad. You're already setting me up, man. I'm not set. I'm not setting you up. I'm not setting you up. I just went out of order. All right, Alex. This sports movie is one of the most popular on Netflix in 2022. It's about a Chinese-American trying to become a basketball player. Name it. A, Boogie. B, The Way Back. C, King Richard. D, Hustle. Sammy Sin, what is your answer? Mm, D, Hustle. D, Hustle. Samuel? That's the right answer. D, Hustle. Nope. Hustle is a basketball movie on Netflix, but the answer is A, Boogie. So Sammy Sin is still up. One and nothing. Chinese, all oh, Chinese, Chinese American, yeah. The hustle, no, the oh, that is nah, a bit nah, more nah, Chinese. Don't, don't, don't right, start that, fine. That's fine. Don't start that now, Sam. I, always, I, I, I don't, what do you want me to do? We both answer the same you're thing. You're always complaining, Sam. So here you go. I'm here confused. You there we go. Thank you. All right, it is the most played Christian song on the Amazon Top 100, <laughs> and it's sung by the former lead singer of a group called Musicians on Call. A, in Jesus' name, Katie Nicole. B, Build a Boat, Colton Dixon, C, Lion, Elevation Worship, or D, My Jesus by Ann Wilson. Samuel. I'm going to say C, Lion. C, Lion. Sammy Sin, what you got? I'll go with C. C, Lion. The answer is A, in Jesus' name, you have him dormy. He can only, he can only tie. That's right. And you get to that ask the tough one there. I, don't, I didn't know that one. I'm, I'm, see, you, you I, can't ask, get, I can't get a question ask, right. I'm terrible. You ask for Christian questions. I give you a Christian music question. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Alex Bass, last one. The 2022 World Cup is underway. What was the peak viewership for the 2018 World Cup? A, 5.2 billion viewers. B, 3.57 billion viewers. C, 6 billion viewers. D, 2.59 billion viewers. Let me see and knock him out right now. Oh. Uh, 
I'm going to go with C, 6 billion viewers. 6 billion viewers. Samuel, what do you got? I'm going to go B, 3.5. Oh, my God. He came back in time. That's the right answer. Ah. Let's go, baby. You know what? You know what? Yeah. Seven, there's 7.8 billion people in the world. And to think that 3. That's why I said ain't no way. To think that nearly half of the world's population is watching soccer. I mean, Grice, you watch the soccer, right? Oh, yeah, I watch it, too. I mean, you already know I'm watching it. That's, that's USA that's, tomorrow, baby. USA tomorrow, big, big game. Absolutely, absolutely insane. Well, Sammy, Sammy, thanks for coming on. I hope you enjoyed your first go round. I told you, there's nothing to be nervous about. We can go here, act goofy, have fun. We're just older than you, but we still act goofy, have fun. <laughs> that's right. Thank you so much. All right, we'll see you out. See you in a few weeks. We Good interview, out. by the way. Good interview. Welcome, Good job. Yes. Absolutely Thank great you. interview. Thanks, great interview. Chelsea, Chelsea Shipper, we'll see you next week. And we're going to play I'll your See y'all next week. All right, y'all be good. Bye, have a nice night. Right. Have a good the great Chelsea Simple. The great. The great, absolutely. And I'm gonna get out of the way and let the guru do let the guru do what the guru does. Is that what I'm trying to say what I'm saying? All right, uh, let's go ahead and get break in to the three A and four A ranks. I know this is what a lot of people want to talk about. It's in big time 3A, 4A football. Uh, first, we'll look at the rankings uh, for 3A. Uh, there you see your number one, 71st out of Fayetteville. Uh, right down there on Business 401, Rayford Road. Uh, the Falcons coming in number one. That was your 2008 4A state champions, by the way. I know a little bit about that game. East Lincoln right there, number two. Northern Nash, South Point, those are your four remaining. Of course, there you see some teams still in them. Uh, going to be ranked in the final mix. Uh, Kings Mountain, Terry Sanford, Eastern Guilford Crest. Sam, your uh, Lions right there. Incredible season. Uh, nothing to be hanging your head about that. And then, of course, Coach Ben Penny, uh, Triton. The Hawks right there had a tremendous job, tremendous game Friday night. Um, really, really uh, had a great season. Uh, happy for them. Uh, but let's take a look at the um, big-time games for Friday. We're going to start in the east. Uh, you've got that big-time game uh, between uh, Fayetteville 71st and Northern Nash. Uh, both teams coming into it 14-0. and uh, They've both just been phenomenal. Defenses, offenses have both played well. I think that Northern Nash has the better offense, 71st. Or Northern Nash has the better defense. I think 71st has the better offense. Uh, there you go. You see it right there at the bottom, 71st, averaging 39 and a half points a game, uh, three shutouts, uh, held other opponents, uh, six other opponents to single digits in scoring. Uh, just Anthony Quinn, you can't talk enough about them. Um, Alex, where you at in the East? Uh, let's talk about this game. If Northern Nash has a better defense than 71st, then it is an ever so slightly better defense by less than a hairline, less than razor thin. Northern Nash has yielded 40 total points in its four previous state playoff games. 71st has yielded 41. It is that close and something has to give. Uh, anybody else want to jump in here in Eastern North Carolina? I mean, I just think that's an amazing game. <laughs> Let's be honest. That's If I could drive all the way out there, I probably would. I would like to watch that game, 71st versus Northern Nash. Two heavyweights going at it. I mean, see the drive. Hey, I, yeah. know, I know a lot of barbecue places on the way. If you yeah. Hey, no you, you, got, you, got, you got to drive by my house on the way. I'll, I'll meet you and I'll treat you to some barbecue on the way down to right. Red Oak. Might, might consider that, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, let, me, let, let me know. All right. Definitely want to tip the cap to Coach Andrew Ferris. Uh, the program that he took over at Northern Nash and where they're at today, I mean, just a phenomenal job. Uh, you've just seen a steady rise in that every year. So I think that's going to be a tremendous job 
Um, anybody else before I go to the West? Anybody going once, going twice? All right. Hey, look, before we go into the West, uh, Chelsea did a great job uh, doing an interview uh, this week uh, with uh, South Point's um, Sullivan Abshire. And I really wanted to get into that. So before we look at the 3A West, let's take a look at this video by Chelsea. This week's Talking Preps, Chelsea's World, I'm interviewing senior from South Point High School, Sully Absher. And Sully, you guys just came off of a win last week, 28 to 25 versus East Guilford. Kind of talk about that step in playoffs and what that win means to y'all. Uh, yeah, so uh, the, one of the, uh, the biggest things coach talked about all week was uh, 13 wins was uh, we'd be the, uh, the sixth team, or might have been seventh, uh, seventh team in school history to achieve 13 wins in a season. So that was a really big motivator for us. And of course, uh, we, we knocked them out, I believe, first round last year. So, I mean, we knew they were going to come down the road with a little bit of uh, a little bit of motivation, a little bit of fire. So, you had to be real physical and knock it out of them early. I think we did a uh, – well, we we ended up getting it done. But uh, it was it was an ugly game, but it doesn't matter. Win's a win, especially in the playoffs. Just got to do what you can to move on. For sure. Congrats on that win. And going on to next week, you guys play East Lincoln. Tell us what we can expect from that game. And again, the same motivation. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're really just gonna just just pound the ball is is what we've always done. I mean, we're not gonna not gonna change anything. Be uh be special for them. We're gonna do us. Just take what we can get. Uh, I know they've got a, a really good defense. Got some uh, highly recruited guys over there. But I mean, like I said, we're not gonna change anything up for them. We're just gonna do us. Run the ball. Just uh, yeah. I mean, just like every other game, just take what they give us. You know, that's that's all we try to do. Absolutely. And so you guys have played a really tough schedule this season. Do you think there's one game that really highlights, you know, the South Point team and talk about that performance? Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Dudley game in the, the second round is probably probably my favorite, maybe my favorite game of my whole career, just because uh, they beat the crap out of us last year in the Western Finals. We didn't even score a point. Uh, and then this year to come out and drop, what, 70, is either 73 or 74. But that was just a uh, that was it. Just sent a message to the, the whole state, really. I mean, because they they weren't they weren't uh, they weren't really. Hold on, excuse me. <laughs> they weren't the uh, the weakest team, you know. They were still they won their conference. They were the number uh, what four seed in the state. So I mean, we just really did, just did what we did. Just kept running the ball, kept finding holes. Uh, we th threw the ball a little bit that game. I think we had two or three passing touchdowns, but. Yeah, that was – we just tried to score as many points as we could because, like I said, we, we had a bad taste in our mouth from last year playing up there. Absolutely. That's one to be proud of. And yeah. speaking of things to be proud of, Sully, you are committed to Notre Dame for football. Tell us about your recruiting process and what made that school the one for you. Uh, really, it just came down to uh, the education you get from Notre Dame. That's the way my, uh, my parents brought me up. It's like if I didn't make an A or B on the, the spelling test in fifth grade, I wasn't going to play in my, uh, my little league baseball game that Thursday night. So uh, that's, that's the biggest thing for me was the education. And, I mean, they're, they're not too bad at football either. And uh, they uh, they have a, a good reputation for uh, their offensive line development and the way they just they bring up the young men there. It's just something really special that I thought I wanted to be a part of. And then, of course, they've got the uh, 
new head coach, Coach Freeman. I love him. He's a real young guy. He's real relatable. He's just a guy I wanted to play for. Absolutely. A real student athlete. I like that. And Sully, what's one goal you're really proud of accomplishing in your whole high school career? Uh, let's see. Probably. Oh, probably just let me think about that. That's a good question. But uh, hmm, probably just being that uh, another 13 win team in, in program history because we've been uh, South Point's had a team for 57 years or something like that. Mm -hmm. And to be a part of part of six of them is, is wild. Uh, and I think um, it might have been like five. I keep saying six. It's seven teams now that uh, we've done it. But and I think five out of those seven, no, four out of those seven teams has gone on to win a state championship. And now we're uh, we're in the Western Finals, and we've got one more step to get to. Uh, I think it's in Raleigh this year, playing at NC State. But yeah. can't look too 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 far ahead to uh, to that game. We got to take care of East Lincoln first. But yeah, just uh, just making history with winning winning those thirteen games in a season. Absolutely. That's awesome to be part of history your senior year. And finally, what's one favorite high school football memory you have, whether that's in practices, a game, or just being with your teammates? Uh, probably this past year's summer camp. We went to this place called uh, Camp Awanata. It's in uh, it's right outside of Asheville. Uh, but it's, on, it's in South Carolina, so it's below Asheville. Uh, and we go up there, uh, I think it's for three or four days. And, you know, we, we get up at the crack of dawn, practice four times a day. But it's just in between those practices when you just get to, to hang out with the guys. And then we did a uh, – on the last day, all the seniors uh, got to go into town and eat lunch at this, this real nice place. But, yeah, those have just been my favorite kind of moments, just not even the football, just hanging out with the guys, going out to eat, you know, spending the night at each other's houses, just, just hanging out with all the guys. For sure. And that makes a real brotherhood team. Well, Sully, thank you so much for hopping on and congrats on your commitment to Notre Dame. Thank you. Again, as always. That was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing, as always. Great job, Chelsea. Uh, simple. Great job. Uh, anyway, let's take a look at this uh, 3A West. Uh, we've already mentioned this game earlier. South Point, 13-1, the Red Raiders uh, traveling over to Denver uh, to take on East Lincoln, 14-0. East Lincoln coming off that big 46-20 uh, victory over previously top-ranked Kings Mountain. Uh, South Point's won seven straight since that early uh, season loss to uh, the Mounties. Uh, the team's rushed for 4,000 yards, led by Cam Medlock, who's got almost 2,033 touchdowns. Those are big numbers. I don't care what division of football you're playing in. Uh, East has kind of been an under-radar team. If there's any team that thinks that they've been slighted, I think that East Lincoln team might be it. Uh, they uh, allow six points per game. Uh, quarterback Tyler Mazel, uh, he's got 2,300 yards, 35 touchdowns. Uh, running back Christopher Daly has got 1,500-plus. Uh, I was talking to Coach Greg Lloyd, and he said he has not seen a team that is just as tall and as long and as lean as that East Lincoln team. He said they've just got some guys that can just get out there and get leverage on you, and they're just so stinking fast. Uh, that was some high praise coming from Coach Lloyd. Uh, gentlemen, I want to throw it out there to you. Uh, who wants to jump in on this game? I'll start since I'm probably going to this game. Uh, I'm going because, uh, you know what, I, I think it's time to maybe see East Lincoln and 
see in person what they've got. I've seen South. I was at that South Point Kings Mountain game. Um, and again, I thought they were the number two team in the West. Uh, that's, a, that's a very solid team with a great one-two uh, punch in the backfield. Um, mm-hmm. But, man, I, I, you'll see in the picks, I picked East Lincoln. Uh, this was hard. Uh, this is one of those I started to go with South Point just because this is one powerful team on offense as far as the run is concerned. They don't throw much. And could, can that hurt them is, is the question. Looked like the pass hurt Kings Mountain, so maybe it doesn't hurt them. Um, East Lincoln, uh, man, this, this is a chance that you've been proven. And, you know, here you go. You're one step away from, uh, you know, being right there at the state championships. I haven't seen East Lincoln since they played Monroe in a regional final back. Uh, several years ago, so I, I'm expecting a really good ball game. I hope it is. I, you know, East Lincoln might blow South Point out like they blew Kings Mountain out. Who knows? I think that uh, you know, I'll go next. I think South, the, the temperature will matter in this game a lot. Um, if it gets if it drops like it was two weeks ago, I think it would favor a little bit of South Point just because their initial contact of the offense style with their running. It'll help them a little bit more on defense as well. Um, East Lincoln is exactly like, you know, Coach was referring to it at Kings Mountain. You know, I watched them on film a good bit. They're very athletic at certain positions. I think they can counterattack. You know, South Point's like, you know, offensive tackle that's going to Notre Dame. They have a great defensive end as well that can match up with them. I think it's a it's a stellar matchup that this is what we're looking for, you know, in the West Regional you know, final, and I think that you're going to get that. I think that the temperature will factor in. Normally you don't say that that much, but I think it would factor in as well. I don't know what the temperature would be, but if it's in the if it's in the 30s, then, you know, I think it helps South Point. I think if it's a little bit warmer, like in the 45, the 48-degree weather, I think it favors East Lincoln. And uh, that would be interesting to know what's going to happen Friday on that aspect. Hey, Sam, what kind of surface do they play on at East Lincoln? Um, I think it's grass. It is. Pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah, and it should be about 40 degrees around game time. Just check I mean, it out. But I think, I think you know, getting into a lot of this, and I think looking at it from a coach and the media side, especially looking at a team like East Lincoln, you know, I really think, you know, they were in a, in a, in a weird situation where we hadn't really seen them tested. And I think when you get a team that puts themselves in a situation where they're finally tested, you're going to go one or two ways. And I think with the type of players they have, you know, they really showed, you know, showed to the test that, hey, we are built for this, even though we haven't had a team put us, you know, in these kind of situations. I mean, you look at that Kings Mountain game, and I watched that probably the most last weekend. I mean, you look at a quarterback that was eight for nine with 184 yards and two touchdowns against, we're talking about Kings Mountain. This is just against Kings Mountain. We're looking at a, a team rushing 24 rushes, 251 yards, and three touchdowns, averaging 10 yards, 10.5 yards to carry against Kings Mountain. You know, you're talking about Keandre Walker. Again, he was a Grice's gym this week. He did it all. I mean, you talk mm. about chunk plays as far as returning a punt for a touchdown, catching a touchdown pass, and returning an interception for a touchdown. So you've got guys that can do it all. And, I mean, I think we've been so effusive in our praise for Kings Mountain. You know, that's a University of Virginia recruit. This is the first time he's been mentioned on this show. So they got dudes, too. We just yeah. really haven't talked about them in a sense because, one, they haven't played these type of, you know, these 
quality of teams that have you know risen to, to game of the week level uh, uh, situations here, but they've got guys, you know, and I think they've really shown that. And I think for South Point, they're just from a defensive standpoint, they're gonna have to stop the chunk plays. I think that's what Kings Mountain. Kings Mountain, I thought was solid overall, but they just could not stop the chunk plays. I mean, you're looking at 80-yard touchdowns and 70-yard touchdowns and big plays in all phases of the game. So that's going to be the challenge for South Point, who has had that ability. When you look at the Crest game and them really, you know, managing, you know, Javaris Green and really, you know, you know the quarterback Husky and really taking down really athletic teams. This is going to push them to their max, though. Yeah, I think. Anybody so. else they want to jump in? Yeah, I'll give a quick comment on this game. Um, when the brackets came out, Lord, now over about a month ago now, um, you know, everybody on the show knows and viewers of the show know I went to Northwest Cabarrus. And when I saw the bracket come out, I was like, you know, I really don't want to play East Lincoln because I, I know they were undefeated, still are, obviously. But, you know, obviously Ledford took care of Northwest Cabarrus. But I didn't think East Lincoln had a chance against King of Mountain. I'll be first to admit that. But, I mean, just looking at their strength of schedules, East Lincoln was significantly a little bit less than Kings Mountain, but turns out that didn't matter. I know East Lincoln, they've got two or three D1 commits, one to Virginia, I know. So, and this ain't an easy game for South Point. I know Kings Mountain beat South Point, so what's to say East Lincoln can't? Well, I mean, South Point's got Division One athletes, too. You know, their safety, you know, the, the offensive tackle. They'll have some running backs down the road as well. I think that East Lincoln did a great job of game planning versus Kings Mountain. I think that they ran the trap play, which that is the key of being able to stop. Now, if you are elongated in your plays versus Kings Mountain, they're able to get up field like Burns. Burns had a very hard time, and they're going to probably compete. You know, if they, you know, obviously they win this week, they're going to go to a state championship. But they couldn't score against Kings Mountain. They're a very good team. What they failed to do was quick hit Kings Mountain. Their D-line is superior when they get upfield, but their initial contact is not great. East Lincoln's big chunk plays, when you watch the film, were based upon the trap and different things where guys are being touched right now and the ball is coming at them. And uh, I think they utilize that extremely well. I think South Point does a better job of defending that aspect. Now you're going to see a little bit more of like quarterback counter from East Lincoln. Will South Point be able to defend that? Because that's more similar to the offense they normally run. But – they did a good job of game planning versus Kings Mountain. I think it'll be a great coaching battle between these two two great coaches, and uh, you'll see some good football. All right, excellent, man. Uh, that wraps up our discussion for 3A, going into the 3A uh, regional semifinals. Hey, let's get to the big dogs. Uh, let's talk about the 4A Fight Club. I look at the top 20, 10 rankings uh, here for this week. Uh, Grimsley, again, second week in a row, number one, Newburn right there, number two, Weddington, Millbrook. Uh, those are your four men standing. Uh, there you see the teams left on the outside. Obviously, teams playing basketball right now, Huff, Reynolds, Hillside, East Forsyth, Independence, Rollsville. Again, I mean, these were the best of the best all year, so uh, no uh, slouches right there. And let's go ahead and start off with Eastern North Carolina uh, with these uh, big 4A matchups. Um, Millbrook right there, 13-1, and one, heading down the road to Newburn, uh, down uh, Highway 70. It should be a really good game down in the Eastern uh, part of the state. Uh, Millbrook has never been to a state final, but they've won uh, seven straight, led by quarterback Mason Fortune, who's got 
3,820 yards, 37 touchdowns. Uh, wide receiver uh, Nathan Leacock, uh, you know, running back Xavier Pugh. We've talked about these guys year in and or all year. Uh, Newburn right there has only thrown for 473 yards, but they've rushed for almost 6,000 yards uh, throughout the season. Uh, Coach Nor Tory Noel's offense has just been electric all year long. I think that they are definitely up for this game. Uh, Alex Bass, uh, you're kind of our Eastern North Carolina guy. I know you know these programs very well. What do you see happening on Friday night? Well, first and foremost, congratulations to Millbrook. It is astounding to think Millbrook is in a position to play in its first state semifinal, let alone first state, have an opportunity to advance to its first state final. When you think back to obviously the amazing 20 plus years of uh, Clarence in score, but before then, seven years of Earl Smith. Earl Mine. Smith, Earl Smith built that Wake Forest dynasty. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. You mean the well, well, the Millbrook dynasty? Well, no, he Earl Smith established the Wake Forest Rollsville dynasty too. Let's not well, that, forget that's that. That's true. That is true. That is very true. So, I mean, just so that's astounding. So, congratulations to Millbrook on having this opportunity. Uh, I want to point out in this discussion that the ultimate X factor that uh, Mason Fortune and Nathan Leacock may have been in the conversation for Mr. Football all season long, and deservedly so. But Millbrook's X factor is Xavier Pugh. You look at the numbers that Mr. Pugh has right here, 1,049 yards. He went over 1,000 yards for the season in the state quarterfinals, 22 touchdowns. The one statistic you do not see up here on the offensive side of the ball, and there's a reason you don't see it up here, because it's non-existent. I'm talking about zero, zero fumbles this year. Zero fumbles. Very sure-handed with the football. The other thing you do not see up here about Mr. Pugh is, and, and yes, that's Mr. Pugh. I mean, we can refer to him as Mr. Pugh because he's a running back just like Mr. Newman. But also, Mr. Pugh plays on the defensive side of the ball and has 42 total tackles from a strong safety position, 28 solo tackles. So that two-way impact that he brings as an ultimate, I don't even call him an X-factor, he is a factor in the equation who often was not discussed because of the prowess of Mason Fortune and Nathan Leacock. But I, I just want to zero in on Xavier Pugh, Mr. Pugh right there, which will give Millbrook an opportunity, no doubt. Uh, I do think that the the climb is one for Millbrook in this game, in this particular situation. As we've discussed all year long, Newburn is at the culmination of a three to four year process right here. Uh, Mr. Herring has been a uh, part of this maturation process all the way back to four years ago when Newburn fell in the state quarterfinals at home in Caruso Coach Stadium versus Cardinal Gibbons, and then in the state semifinals at Cardinal Gibbons two years ago. And Mr. Herring and so many others, Mr. Tucker, Mr. Wallace, all were part of Mr. Sampson, Mr. Brett. They all were there as ninth and 10th graders. So this is a maturation process, process that has come to fruition this year. And I think Newburn is poised to have an opportunity to play for its first state championship since 2007. Again, that's not a slight to Millbrook. It's just evaluating the dynamics of both situations side by side. All right, based off the conversations uh, we've had via text today, 
I'm going to Coach Grice, uh, who I think is the preeminent voice in high school football. He's the most authoritative expert on this panel when it comes to football in this state. Grice, I know you've been digging into the stats. I know you've really looked at Mason Fortune at this Millbrook team. Uh, what do you see in this battle, and what do you think is the keys to win? Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how they handle this passing attack. And I think, you know, while Rollsville has the athletes, I think, you know, you've seen a much more comprehensive passing attack all year from this Millbrook offense. I mean, yes, you have, you know, Nathan Leacock, who, you know, has over 1,600 yards this year for that offense. But we've talked about, you know, we've talked about Ty Broughton. We talked about Xavier Pugh running the ball and catching the ball as he is the third leading receiver. You just see a much more balanced attack this year. I mean, we've literally had him Grice's gym. We've had Mason Fortune. We've had Ty Broughton. We've had Nathan Leacock. So just the ability to get it to other guys there will be something that New Bern's defense, ha defense hasn't seen from a passing attack. That part, I think, it intrigues me the most. The other side of that, of course, is can you maintain or at least slow down because you're not going to stop it, but can you maintain that New Bern uh, rushing attack? And they're, they're be their beat down, they literally beat them down of Roseville was the single most impressive thing that I saw last weekend. I mean, again, just the way they just scored at will against them, just they letting them know, hey, like you, like Alex pointed out with that loss, you know, a couple was a couple years ago when they were sophomores, they let them know, hey, we're the big dogs now, we're ready to go make some history. Um, so they do seem like the team of destiny down, you know, down east. I, I think that part is is something real, something valid with high school kids and especially seniors that are getting ready to to finish up their high school career within max two more games. So that this east game is so intriguing from that aspect, and it's so hard to pick. I feel bad for the people that have to pick it, just because it's one of these sides is going to reign true. Ken Milbrook and Mr. Football finalist, you know, Mason Fortune lead a passing attack that Newburn hasn't seen all year and maybe hasn't seen in a while. Or can New Burns just, you know, ram it down your throat, you know, offense, keep that ball away from them and lead to those big video game like numbers again? Yeah, just one comment to piggyback off what you just said. I think New Burns' best defense is their offense, keeping Millbrook off the field, just that rushing attack. But like you said, they were scoring at will versus uh, Roseville last week. And that was a very interesting approach, what they took defensively with the, th you know, the three, four but have all the linebackers off the line of scrimmage to try to take down that new burn offense. I thought that, you know, strategy could have been a little different there to try to stop that. Interesting to see how Millbrook attacks it defensively and uh, is their offense able to be able to put new burn in passing situations. If new burn keeps the lead, it's going to be a long night. No doubt. Man, look at Sam bringing the fire. You know, I love our two resident coaches here on the show. There ain't no other show in the state's got coaches like you with this insight. Incredible. Hey, Sam, I'm, I'm going to throw it back to your video right now. Uh, I know before we go and dig into this big uh, 4A West regional semifinal between Weddington and Grimsley, you had a chance to sit down with Knox Willingham, who moved from quarterback uh, to defensive end. Um, so let's check out that video before we move over to the West. We're in the game, frontline warrior. We got Knox Willingham. Um, tell us a little bit about your game today. I thought you did everything. Like normally, frontline warriors are strictly O line, D line guys. This guy was fighting for a quarterback position before the season, correct? Right. This guy's putting his hand in the dirt and made a bigger impact than he's ever done in an entire game. He rushed for a touchdown, passed for a touchdown, but made the biggest impacts on defense, setting the line of scrimmage. Tell me about your game you did. You no, know, all glory to God. You know, I can't do it without my teammates. My teammates, they get me through it. Defensively, we played a hell of a game. 
you stop the run. Well, you did, and that's, that's, that's what we set the edge. You do a great job of using your hands, setting the edge, moving men against their will. I love seeing you come into the game and you making an impact for your team no matter what it takes. It shows the pride and the joy that you have in your heart for your team. Because normally, you know, everybody wants to be a quarterback. But you did what's best for your team. The frontline warrior, and look what you're doing for your team now, going into the semifinals, the state championship run, and you strapped them on your back. And you didn't even play quarterback in the primary position. You did it with your hand in the dirt, and you did it that going Tim Tebow style. Yes, he did a jump yes, pass, you know. Yeah, you got you didn't get a lot of hype on oh, the jump pass, but it was beautiful. He man. had to I throw to Tim that. Tebow in there. Now, it, I had to, I had to put that in there. I'm <laughs> super proud of you, man. Let it be the front line for you, man. Appreciate you. Good job, man. Appreciate you. All right, now. Was a DN for us. It started and was all conference DN. And you know, this year, you know, Tyler's our starter. He went in as a he's a junior, and Knox went and they competed all summer and. You know, we made the decision to go with uh, Tyler. Uh, you know, and we both—they both had a little package. Uh, Knox had a package, but yeah. you know, Tyler. I mean, he's thrown for close to three thousand yards. He probably hit it this week. Yeah, and he's played really, really well. Uh, first two games, uh, it was—it was tough. There was a lot of tension, and no, no. you know, Knox really—he didn't really play a lot of defense, and then he came to me uh, beginning of week three, and, and we, we didn't play very good defensively. Uh, first two games, he's like, I, I just want to be on the field. I'm, I'm going back to DN, uh, and you know, in high school, not not many kids would would do that. Do something uh, like that, and he right. put the team first, uh, you know. And he's enjoyed his senior year, and I got him three times a day. And he annoys the crap out of me, first, second, and third period. But I'll tell you this, man: when it's time to practice and when it's time to play, there's nobody I'd rather hang my hat on than, than number ten. Uh, and, and just again, man, a story that he just, you know, put the team first. And, and we got a lot of guys that would do that, but. For him to actually show that he's willing to just says a lot about his character, about who he is. And, you know, good things happen to good people. And for him to, you know, put the team on his back tonight uh, just shows the type of guy he is and, and all that. Hey, great job, man, on that. Hey, before I throw it to you, Dale, you're a resident expert in this game. I, I got to say, I wish I had the old – team pages on the website up. I think, and this may be an underrated stat, but uh, Coach Andy Capone, given his age, he might have the highest winning percentage of anybody I know of. His winning percentage of Weddington's got to be somewhere up with around 89 95%. Incredible what he's was, done there. Yeah. In, in fact, if I could look back at a text message um, that was sent to me a couple of uh, days ago, it listed all of his games and the results, and there's only a, a few losses. I, I, I think in there. he's only lost in his career maybe like seven or eight games, something like that. Yeah. It's crazy. It's right. It's a handful, you know, yeah. maybe a little more than a handful of losses. It's I would put him right up there with like Mike Brodowitz in, in terms of winning percentage, just being insanely astronomical, like up there in the 90s. I mean, and and the championships and stuff they've won, and and. and uh, Capone's age, you know, he yep. if he if he wanted to stick around and do this as long as Tommy Knotts has done, he could obliterate those records. So uh, good on him. But hey, we've talked about this big time game, Weddington traveling up to Jameson Stadium at Grimsley. Dale, I'm gonna throw it right back to you. Uh, you're you're right in this. Sure, I'm gonna just add to that. I remember watching him play. <laughs> so as I had Carolina varsity, uh, he was uh, a player over at uh, Sun Valley. Um, Amazing. Anyway, this is a young man that's making it big. Uh, what a game. Sam and I went to the, the game Friday night. Uh, that 
Knott's Willingham is a ball player, guys. Uh, Sam couldn't Sam couldn't have picked a better frontline warrior. He doesn't look like one. The funny thing about that, I've got to point this out, is the roster has him listed as 5'10", 175. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's six, not he's not that though. He's he's a good six two, six three. Yeah. Well he said his he was six three, two ten is what he what he told us Friday night. Anyway, uh I think we got a ball game here. Uh, Weddington, unfortunately, I've just seen Grimsley in film, and I've seen Weddington in person a couple of times. And, you know, as, as always, this is a solid team that doesn't make a lot of mistakes, and techniques are uh, – their fundamentals are, are sound on the field. Uh, they, I think – from what we've seen, and the Grimsley's offense is able to put up some big time uh, uh, points and some big time plays, and uh, they they have beaten three Mecklenburg County teams, which is, and three powerhouse Mecklenburg County teams. Two of them who have, uh, you know, at some point in the past been to state championships. So. Um, it, it, it's a it's a game that I really I see a comment in there about switching a pick and I'm I'm with you, dude. It's uh, when I left this game and I made this pick. It's a hard. This is a hard game to pick. Uh, I you know I, I don't know what more to say other than this is going to be a phenomenal game. Whoever yeah. goes to it, that Weddington defense is solid. There are ball players on both sides of the ball. They're going to be able to play with Grimsley. I don't think Grimsley is going to run away with this game. Um, I mean, so, I think I think Grimsley on paper is the favorite team in this game. They're playing at home. Uh, they haven't seen a defeat this year. I think Weddington is a team that you do not want to play later and later in the year. They get better and better, and they figure themselves out, like the quarterback going to defensive end, finding their leaders where they put them. They have a staff that really pours into this team and gets the most and squeezes them, squeezes out every bit of daggone ounce of ability they have. And then they're a tough team to beat. I think this is going to come down to, I think, like I said, on paper, Grimsley is going to be the favorite. Um, I think Weddington's going to have to pull some some trickery things out. And, and Capone's really good at doing those things. Hearing him call the game on the sideline, he has very great control of what he's trying to do. Um, but, you know, Grimsley could be overwhelmingly. I mean, they, they could just – they're rushing attack, and they led by that sophomore. He's a sophomore, right, Grice, the sophomore they have at Grimsley? Yeah, yeah, Mitchell Summers, sophomore. Yeah. I mean, that kid's – he's proven himself. Like, he, he he nearly had almost 200 yards versus uh, Huff, and Huff is a hard team to run against. So, yeah. we're going to see that. But I think Weddington – you know, I would love to see a local team pull through right here. I would be pulling for Weddington if I went to the game. Um, but Grimsley, I think on paper, is the favorite right now. So, Grice, I got a comment for you. This is an inside joke for everybody. I used to wear a straw hat, and my profile picture used to have me in a straw hat. That's a comment back to your <laughs> comment that I just read. <laughs> uh, yeah, go ahead, Cam. I'll let you comment and see. Uh, yeah, I mean, this, I saw this Grimsley team last week. You know, as Sam mentioned, it's very hard to run on Huff. Um, we we talked about the defense at Weddington, and I mean I think Huffs is just as good, if not better, having only allowed more than one touchdown only once up until the Grimsley game all season. So 
And Grimsley will get their points. It's all about if Weddington can keep up. I mean, Grimsley's defense wasn't bad either. Um, held Tad Hudson in the pocket, you know, sacked him a few times. But I, I think it'll come down to, you know, just who can put up more points. You know, it could be a last possession type game. It always comes up to who puts in the most points. <laughs> That's what my man. <laughs> man, Gary, Gary. Take a little note. <laughs> you been all day, Gary? Gary's been asleep the whole night. Captain, uh, Captain Obvious, but um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I that was the object of the game, getting the most points. But, uh, I'm, I'm looking at it from the standpoint of the diversity of Grimsley. I mean, to to pay, play Catholic, and then to to play Independence, and then to Huff. You're playing. Yeah, I know we like to say they beat three Mecklenburg Powers, but they beat three Mecklenburg Powers that get their power from doing something different. That's a great you know? point, Gary. Great and, point. And, and that makes me think that Grimsley is more prepared uh, than Weddington because they've, they've basically seen it all. They've seen Huff, which is a defensive-dominated uh, team that relies heavily on the kicking game for field position and, and, and mm-hmm. scoring from, you know, from the 40 on in. Um, you you look at Catholic that makes you play disciplined football, assignment football, and then you look at a team like Independence that was balanced. They could throw it. They could run it. And so Grimsley, to me, they've been through the gauntlet, not just because it's Mecklenburg County, but just because they've played different styles and been successful against all of those styles. Good point. That's Very a great good. point, Gary. I thought I thought that was phenomenal. Now, the one thing I got to go against now is Weddington is probably the most polished team from offense to defense across the board. Their kicking game is not a – they don't have flaws. You see what I'm saying? So, now putting that against a Weddington team, they've been battle-testing all those different phases. Now they got to put it all together. Now, I don't think Weddington is not necessarily better – like a better offense than Independence at the time or a better defense than Huff at the time, you know, or a kicking game is Huff, but they're all solid across the board. Uh, I thought that was a great point, though, Gary. Great job. Well, Weddington has hit similar types of teams uh, when you look at it. They just they just went through ACR, mm-hmm. Cox Mill, very good passing team, led by a great offensive coordinator, right? Uh, Not that night. <laughs> <laughs> Not that night. Uh Weddington has faced multifaceted offenses as well. So, and, and teams that are at a high caliber of play as well. You, you gotta, you gotta remember that team that um, they beat this past Friday night is without question, one of the top 10 teams in the state. So um, I think Weddington's got a lot going in Gary's excellent point though. That's excellent. Because football's not linear, Gary. You know, people try to look at how one team plays and their common opponent played that team. You no, can't I get it. how the two are going to play each other. But when you can look and see, well, they pay, played a heavy run team. They played a, a, a team that's very good in special teams. Like you said, inside from the 40 in, they're a threat to score. And you got a real diversified team or a team that can throw. And you see that they do well against all of that. Then that tells you they're a a solid there they are a solid at least on defense they're solid mm-hmm. yeah and i think with this game you know you look at two teams like I, I always call 
you know, I always call Weddington you know, a team of ruthless efficiency. I've, I've said this to, to my kids before. I was like, if I needed a kid to go from the 50-yard line to the field house without talking to anybody and do it 100 times, I feel like Weddington has more kids that can do that than you. Like, they don't talk to their friend. They don't see a girl. They get off track. They're that team on the field that just does what they're supposed to and execute. Big thing we saw, we played them in the rain. You didn't see, like, the drop ball, the, oh, man. Like, we looked like we were playing in two different – you know, two different games. Like we look like we were the team playing in the rain. And they look like they were the team in the 70 degree day, honestly. Well, like, that's, that's the right, difference for Grimshaw. Grace, Grace, that's the thing about their whole athletic culture. It's Agreed, the same way yeah. in basketball. Yeah, I mean, I'm they, with you. They're, they're the same way in basketball. You know, how you talk about how disciplined they are in football. They're the same way in basketball. And that must be the culture of their athletic program. Yeah, and I think it's the outside of CMS – Hey, they, you know, again, we see them in middle school. They have their middle school team. They play seven on seven together. Their high school team. You'll see the varsity quarterback, you know, leading and calling plays for the, for the JV, you know, team that's out there, the middle school team that's out there. They've really built a culture of sports out there that involves with, hey, we're here. We're going to make this the best with what we have and who's out there. I mean, I've seen kids transform from being a lanky 180-pound kid to, you know, the tight end Dale number one you're talking about. I, you know, I literally walked to him on the field and said, you've been eating. That kid was a 180-pound lanky receiver, and now he's a 225-pound monster. But, you know, again, it's to me it's going to be who makes the least mistakes. Everybody says that, but that is truly Weddington's great. And I think people, you know, every when we get down to this point, it's, it's about being elite. Grimsey's elite with their team, their defense. They have amazing players, and they have that just that never-say-die attitude. They've been – you get through the three teams they've just been through, they've been through some wars. And I think people are discounting – the side of the bracket as it pertained to where we were um, with, with on the Weddington side. But what you had was just a lot of people that made mistakes and slipped up. And I, you had a team like AC Reynolds really be the beneficiary and don't make those same mistakes that a Butler made, that a Chambers made, which led to them losing that game. You've got Weddington being the best from that to show we're not going to make a lot of mistakes, but we're going to execute. So my the interesting thing for me will be in the first quarter of just how they're able to handle that defensive line from Grimsley. That's been to me one of the one of the most different things I don't think many teams have seen. When you got that, yeah, boy, I think he's going to Georgia or going wherever he wants to. But yeah, you got you have to deal with him for four quarters. You know, that was the thing in that Huff game. Huff's been dominant for the most part up front until they played a guy like that. So I'm excited to see this one again. I think it'll be a fun game, but I think it'll be an interesting game to start off. But um, again, you know, we've been talking again. It's been a great wrap up, Guru. You've been, you know, magisterial per usual of, of walking us through these four uh, these four classes. Let's go ahead and get the fresh faces so we can talk from Murphy to Manio, see some people that you may not know about. Going on, everybody. A special GNG edition, as we always do at this time. Uh, we got some fresh faces here. Again, we tell you all the time from Dare to Manio, 
excuse me, from Murphy to Manny Murphy. I got to get it right. Dare to Cherokee. We try to highlight some of the best players that you haven't seen out there. And again, playoff edition. So we're trying to we work with a few teams. So we're trying to make sure we get you guys with some different players here. Let's go out to East uh, East Duplin and a big 49 to 6 win over Whiteville in the North Carolina 2A quarterfinals. We have Brecken Bowles here, but a team high 18 tackles, a fumble recovery, and he almost took it to the house with a big recovery there. Again, for the season, he has 106 tackles, 12 tackles for loss, and three forced fumbles. Griner, we got a defensive guy here, man. Tell me what you see about this big-time performer. Definitely sticking his face in there, not afraid to make a tackle. Um, you know, East Duplin's a tough team to deal with in the playoffs. They're always here. I mean, it's like every year at this time they're here, and this guy's just stepping up. Another fresh face, but it ain't fresh to them. They're used to having That's a great tackle coming up in lane two. That's one of the hardest things for DBs to do is to be able to set the perimeters, two different types. You got to set the edge on the line of scrimmage and be able to set the perimeter, being able to come up, make the, the, the running back or the quarterback cut back. That's where you have all your help is setting the perimeter. He does that a great job for East Duplin. He does it all. Fantastic performer. Let's come back into the area. Let's go to Christopher Deuce Daly out of East Lincoln. Again, had three touchdown runs in that big time, 46 to 20 win over Kings Mountain. Those touchdown runs covered 40, 60, and 80 yards. All right, let's talk about him for the season. Through 13 games uh, before Friday, he had 138 carries for 1,375 yards and 16 touchdowns. Again, we talk about the, the ingredients for what we consider was an upset against a big-time, tough Kings Mountain team. That He really showed, again, with some of these big-time runs. Look here. As once he gets in front of you, Griner, don't look like he's going, uh, going down at all. What do you see here? Well, I think, you know, Deuce Daly has got a great name for it. You know, he put up more touchdowns than just a deuce. But, I mean, kudos to the coach to recognize how to attack the Kings Mountain defense, to be able to understand they're super athletic, to be able to hit quick things like a trap, be able to touch those guys because the longer the play develops, their athleticism is overwhelming for an offense. And to be able to – this kid carried out the game plan. That's why he's on the fresh faces. Good job. Definitely. Yep. Hey, let's go to Nigel Dula from Drawn High School. Again, another big time back here. 26 carries for 166 yards and three touchdowns in their big 42 to 21 win over Andrews in the North Carolina 1A quarterfinals. Again, Dula's a junior for the season. He's played in nine games and has more than 1,300 yards rushing. So, I mean, again, hadn't played in every game this year, but he's had big time performances in all those. Griner, let's talk about a big time performer here from uh, Drawn High School. I mean, Dulas, I mean, his name is might be the best name I've heard in a long time. I mean, Dula, you got to be bringing a load, running behind your offensive line. I mean, it sounds like something I'd see in Lionheart, like Jean-Claude Van Damme. He's going against Dula. <laughs> You know, I, I agree. I mean, again, guy that we know is out here doing it again. You see it out of the backfield, a guy with that versatility to catch that ball, get outside and, and make some big things happen. So, you know, he's been doing some good stuff here. We're happy to, to be able to highlight him. Let's take it down east for our last fresh face. We have Corbin Kerr from Wallace Rose Hill. Hey, in a big 48-14 win over Princeton in the North Carolina 2A quarterfinals, Kerr had 16 rushes for 192 yards and four touchdowns. Again, we you talked about Wallace Rose Hill. I always said that they played some tough, you know, some tough teams. We knew that they would be battle tested and ready in this game, and boy, did they show it, Griner. Yeah, Corbin right here. I mean, he does a great job. This guy is going to play at the college level. You can tell when he runs, he gets his shoulder pads over his toes. So right at the contact, you can see that on some of his bigger runs, he's really good at getting them shoulder pads down square and be able to, it's a that's a hard guy to bring down. And not one arm tackle, normally it's going to take two or three to bring this guy Corbin down. 
I mean, how lucky do they get? They had Kanye Roberts, who stole the show in the loss of the state championship last year. That's that that state ready to go. Now you bring in a Corbin Kerr. I mean, they have an embarrassment of riches out there in teaching North Carolina and Wallace Rose Hill. Glad yeah. we could highlight another guy. No but, hey, that was another incredible list of fresh faces. We tell everybody, hey, you have a big, big performance, maybe not gym worthy, but you're showing that I, I'm somebody that everybody needs to be aware of. Mm. Reach out to Ed Observer Preps. Reach out to me at Jay, uh, Coach Jay Grice. Uh, reach out to Ed Langston Wirtz Jr. Hey, it's playoff time. We're getting down to the nitty gritty, Griner. So we like being able to highlight a lot of guys, as we say, from Murphy to Manio, mm. there to Cherokee, Griner. That's it, brother. All right, man. Great job. Oh, there you sit right here in the three shot. We know what time it is. It's time to lock that door. Welcome to another edition of Coach versus coach going into the state semifinals. Uh, coach Griner, I guess you're going to defer, right? Yeah, we we kicking the ball right now. All right, Coach Grice, uh, this first question here, coach versus coach, is to you. Um, what would a fair way be for North Carolina to improve, um, improve the high school football spring practices? Should they consider real games to allow these schools to make some money? Come on, man. These are great questions, but I don't think these are questions that me and Griner are going to be able to yell each other about and go on the other side. I mean, it's a no-brainer. They absolutely should do it. And and the reason I say that is because we have the test case that already exists. You know, I don't need Alex in the back whining about education-based athletics. I don't give a crap about that. If we want to get these kids in positions, they can receive free money, scholarships. It allows for these guys to have contact in some limited form. I'm not saying we go out there and go full bore, but if we're able to go out there and have games, you know, be able to play, I'm able to schedule against, you know, against Grinders, West Charlotte guys at his brand new stadium. What better way to open that stadium during the spring period where college coaches and scouts can come out there, watch our guys in action and actually be able to get out there and, and see them live rather than during the hustle and bustle of their own season. This would be great for that perspective. Also, so what better fundraiser is there than to get guys out there to get the all the stands full? Everybody excited. Griner's gonna probably have the daggum radio station out there, you know, spinning, mixing. It's gonna smell wonderful like funnel cakes and fried fish out there. I'm excited just talking about it. Imagine how much money we could raise for our programs that badly need the money and how we can get our kids better looked and keep them comparable on the stage like South Carolina and Georgia. Yeah, I mean, how can you choose the other side of this question? I mean, honestly. We need to be prepared, even if it's just ten days, even if it's just ten days of contact. Um, it helps our kids get recruited. It helps our juniors. It helps out our sophomores. This is a great time for where the colleges come and visit, and we're way behind. Like they all go visit the South Carolina schools. They just pop, they pop by during the school day to see our kids and take them out of the classroom, you know. And I know that Alice is gonna be upset about that. Don't take them out of our class. Come see them at, at our real practice when we're hitting. And uh, we'll get the fish fry going, like you're saying. And if you don't have teams big enough to, you know, inter squad scrimmage, like, you know, like a, a gold maroon night, then you go across the street and you have a battle with someone that has the same yes. you know, abilities that, you know, you might not have. You can go 11 on 11 with yourself, but you can actually go against, you know, Harding down the street or West Mech or something like that. You know, we can bring the trophy back out if they want to. We can do something. It'd be fantastic. Absolutely agree. 
unfortunately our state just don't see the benefits of that. And, you know, I don't think it's the skill players who are losing, you know, they get so much action during the summer with seven on sevens. Yes. Well, you, you, you agree our linemen, they, they, they need it. Yeah. And I want to answer Dale's point. Cause I like Dale had a fantastic question there. He's saying, you know, would it hurt other spring sports? And actually it doesn't like, if you go back and look at our spring period, you know, pretty much we don't get started until the conference track meet. I know for one, you know, already goes into if a guy is participating in spring sport, he can't participate in spring football. That that is the rule. That is even if it's not an official rule, which I'm almost certain it is, it's an unwritten rule from the coaches that you see every day and and whatever. Like our you know our baseball coach helps out and you know during the football nights and does whatever our AD needs. I'd be like spitting in his face for me, be like, oh, tell one of your players come over here and in, in spring workouts and and don't let them participate in the key moment of your season. You know, so I, I think we would alleviate a lot of that and a lot of our players that because like you said, the linemen are the one that need the work. You know, and those are the guys a lot of times that in the spring are throwing the shot put or doing something that isn't state qualifying or whatever. So I, I think it keeps everybody active, but out of the way of, of other sports. I agree, man. 1000%. All right, let's stick with it here. Coach Griner. Uh, this is coming back to you. Uh, question two. Should the Panthers are named Steve Wilkes as the permanent head football coach, or is it too soon to jump to that? And I hope he gets the washes 100%. I think they should name him the head coach. I think his organizational skills, have been fantastic. I actually took my daughters to the game Sunday. Um, it would have been nice if Grice would have went with me. I asked him at the last second. He turned me down. Just when everybody knew that. Like, sure. I called someone last second. Like, I mean, I called you like an hour and a half before. It's no big deal, but no big deal. It's all right. Um, the deal is this. Steve Wilkes has everything you need as a head coach in the NFL. What I want this Panther owner to do is to be the first ever – to hire an offensive coordinator if we're not satisfied with our offense. You know, we're going to probably do something in the draft or figure out this quarterback situation. I don't know about that yet. But defensively, unbelievable. Organization, unbelievable. Can we pay an offense coordinator, the highest offense coordinator in the NFL, and maybe we pull a Belenemy from, you know, the Chiefs or something like that, say, hey, I might not be a head coach right now, but you know what? I'll go make double and be an offense coordinator at the Panthers. Something of that nature, I would love to see it and keep Wilkes at the helm. Man, I keep Wilkes away from this daggum franchise. Man, y'all ruin everybody. Keep them away. Don't name them. I don't want the, like, to He's name them. Born and raised here. They're not going to give him a fair shot. No, he doesn't have a They're quarterback. They're going to give him a fair he shot. Nothing. He has nothing. You guys are rotating quarterbacks every week. You're spinning the wheel. And Sam we know Darrow. that. Sam that works this week. Next week, he's going to go three for 10, 50 yards passing. Oh, boop. P.J. Walker. All right, we're going to start P.J. Walker this week. No, get him away from this franchise. I'm sorry. I would love for him to be here. Will story. I hope they don't name him so he can go find a job with a better, more He wants to be here. West no, Charlotte Brand. He can come back and visit. He can go back and visit. No, West Charlotte Bread. West Charlotte Bread. He's not going to want to stay here. He's not going to call fourth and one. Amazing call at a certain time. Got it. Push them through the game. I want Wilkes as the Panthers head coach. He knows about the tradition. He's been here before. He knows about keep pounding. The whole deal, the tradition is representing with Steve Wilkes. The guy is Charlotte Brad. I want him to stay. All right. There you go. All right. Final question here tonight, uh, Coach versus Coach. Uh, Coach Grice, uh, sticking with you here in this one. Uh, should all playoff officiating crews uh, be assigned by the independent uh, supervisor? You know, currently games before the state quarterfinals include 
officials assigned by the regional supervisor, the higher seeded teams, uh, should all the playoffs be associated by the independent regional supervisors? Uh, you're up, Grice. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, everybody wants to to nitpick about the different associates and different stuff like that. It ain't like you prefer the ones that are from your area. I think that always kills me. Everybody's like, oh, I love the guys from my area. You complain about them all year. We had a, a freaking segment about Griner with West Charlotte and West Mac. You're sitting here, you know, you guys are tearing down one of the best crews we have for one guy being shielded in a, in a tough situation. It ain't like you like the Charlotte officials here to say, oh, we want those Charlotte officials there. I, I do think that assigning guys, because, again, it's not just assigning those to the seat of the higher team, because when you have the seven-man officials, we have some people here that were doing games out at South Point that were traveling down east to do games. So it's not that just the Charlotte teams are only working for the Weddington home games in the playoffs here. So you have guys that are being dispersed out to different areas. I do like it as it does provide an opportunity for guys from different areas to officiate your games. I think the Weddington, I think the game, the Weddington, um, what was that? Weddington AC Reynolds this week. Uh, this they're weekend. from Greensboro. Yeah, they're, they're from Greensboro. So I mean, you have guys from different areas. They had they could care less if Weddington or AC Reynolds wins the game. I like having guys from different areas because I think it it eliminates that thought of just impropriety or, or anything funny going on. They don't have any you know feel of, of of who's what or any just tendencies or preconceived notions about a team or a program. They just go out there and do their job. Yeah, this is a – I don't want to get in trouble on this question, but um, I'll say it this way. I've seen the last two officiating crews that I've seen, I think they get – I don't know what is happening. But either way, I, I think – I would actually – I'd like to ask Alex here because I don't know where everybody went. Alex, what do you think? I am a proponent of that. What I will say – and I just dropped something in the chat. This is going to become an even more formidable challenge because the NCHSA Board of Directors are meeting this week. And the Board of Directors has looming over it the specter of a basketball official's strike if action is not taken to uh, implement a pay raise or a raise in game fees for basketball officials. So if we carry that over to football, which inev inevitably would happen at some point, then that's going to be a pretty formidable challenge. I do think that going to independent regional supervisors, assigning officiating crews for all playoff games would enhance the neutrality across the board and would be another means of leveling well, it's never perfectly level, but contributing to in contributing to a leveler of a sense all the way through that every school is going to be in this predicament, whether you're a, a six time defending state champion or whether you're in your first ever state playoff game. So I am a proponent of it, but let's pay attention to this week's NCHSA board of directors meeting and what happens with the basketball officials situation. Because if there is a basketball officials strike in January, then inevitably it's going to carry over to football in some way or some shape or fashion. And this will be a, an even more formidable goal to achieve. It should be noted also that officials right now, they're graded. They were graded through the season and they had to reach, you know, the top graded officials were allowed to officiate in 
the uh, playoffs. So not everyone's available. So it's not like we can uh, a, a coordinator of selecting officials for a game can say, I'm going to pick this official. This he's, His pool is more limited by that grading. And just a few other things, because I know this is a concern about the quality of officials and <clears throat> the um, if there might be some bias to officials. The officials are reviewed by their own internal processes, uh, and those kinds of things are vetted out. So, and I'm assuming that at every game, at almost every game I attend, there are also observers at the games, official observers that are there watching the plays and grading in real time. So, uh, that's what Sam made a great point. The last couple of weeks, and actually I've seen great, I think all the crews I've seen all the way through the playoffs have been very good. And they've gotten better as we've gotten deeper into the playoffs. I think the last three games have been exceptional um, uh, crews that we've been privy to. Agreed. I think, hey, I, th I think that's, you know, this is a conversation that could go on for hours. And I think Alex did uh, tip to a good point that I think we may have to talk about on our next show about the board of directors meeting, the pay, the, you know, adjustment as far as sportsmanship and some other initiatives that are being set out in their upcoming meeting. So more to come on that. And I look forward to that. But as we always do at this time, we've got to yes. take it to the star of the show. So Sam Griner, final <laughs> thought. Let's go. No star of the show. I'm, I'm actually... I has been in the show. I get whooped in the game show now. I just I'm sad. It's just sad. But I really, I really appreciate all your hard work you guys do. Not people. A lot of you guys don't know that are you know away from the show. These guys put a ton of work in. They travel. They really dedicate themselves to two to three hours for this show a week, not including to the games or studying that they do or putting things together. I mean, Grice is putting an Excel sheet down. Uh, breaking things down for Mr. Football not too long ago. And, and it, he puts a lot of time in. These other guys do a lot of time. They break stuff down. Kudos to you guys. Uh, we do not get paid for this. If they do, I will find out because I'll be pissed off because I don't. But um, <laughs> other than that, <laughs> we're we're open for donations <laughs> for the future, but not. Nah. Great job uh, talking preps. Proud to be a part of the show. You know, Langston to all the rest of the crew. Appreciate you. That was incredible. Oh, you always do a great job with that. I mean, again, so Langston's having some technical difficulties, so I get to do this part. This is always kind of, I think, my favorite part, ending the show. But, you know, as I always talk about, man, you know, it, this show is something special, and I think I'm always blessed to work with some amazing people. I mean, everybody on this screen works hard, including Cam, who I give the most hell to, as I tell everybody. But I mm -hmm. think he's going to, you know, be one of the, the best voices out here. Um, as it pertains to, you know, talking about sports, specifically the sport that I partake in. But we're going to make sure we, we get on the right to be the preemptive best. But that's all for the show today. Um, I'm Jonathan Grice, again, coach at Cox Mill. Got Sam Griner here, you know, the head coach at West Charlotte. Hey, they're going to keep keep moving, keep getting it done. Uh, as I always call him, the coach, Gary Richmond. I don't care how much he thinks he's going to retire. He is out here, legend in two games like Pee Wee Kirkland. We have Dale Ross, the CMS historian, and one of the, the smartest people around anything history-related that I know. We have the guru, whether he wants it or not, the number one you know, voice in the high school football that you can find. It just comes back to him like water. We have the guru in training, 
Cameron Williams, again, a guy I think that's going to be one of the primitive voices once Langston decides to hang it up. We have, as they call him, the contrarian, but as we know, one of 919's greats out there, uh, Brother Alex Bass, and this is Talking Preps, and we do have Langston words in the back somewhere trying to figure out what's going on. Talking Preps, Charlotte, though, we're out. Okay, I'm going to say this before we go offline.